Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, guys, just a dollar gets you three months of access to OnThePonyExpress.com. Recruiting scoop, news on how the team is looking in summer workouts, both basketball and football. That stuff is about to start rolling in, as well as uh, lots of coverage on recruiting, which heats up with the first round of official visitors this weekend coming to the Hilltop. So be sure to subscribe just a dollar for three months, or you could subscribe for the whole year for $50. So check that out at OnThePonyExpress.com. We've got a mailbag edition of the podcast for you guys today and want to lead off with all the questions around Pac-12 expansion, the media rights deal, conference realignment, and everything that goes along with that. So let's jump right in here. Some things might be a little redundant here and there when uh, you get through some of the questions, uh, but we're going to jump in nonetheless and lead off with our friend SoCal Pony. And he asks, Billy, George Klyovkov has consistently said a media deal will come before expansion, but given the looming San Diego State deadline, do you think there's a realistic chance SDSU will be offered before the media deal is finalized? And if SDSU is offered, what's the probability of SMU being offered at the same time? I do think um, that the media deal will come before expansion. And look, we are in June now. Um, people are seeing, once again, some special meetings uh, here and there. Um, I know our uh, good friend and listener of the program, Pony Excess, posted that uh, Washington State has authorized their president to uh, uh, basically agree to a new grant of rights uh, deal for the school, which is you know notable in just a sense. Um, and once again, you're kind of starting to see the buzz pick up around maybe something happening. And I don't have an answer on if it's going to happen uh, this week or next, the week after. But I do feel like the media rights deal comes before expansion. They've got to get that done. They've got to know what it looks like, because then that puts them at the final point of expansion. And if they do, in fact, go through with it, which according to sources, we think they are, and we think they did invite San Diego State and SMU. And if you look at conference realignment as a whole, we haven't really seen too many moments where you see one school uh, brought in and then the next one brought in after that. So this is a situation where I would feel like, based on history, if San Diego State is offered, SMU is getting offered at the same time, and both schools are accepting at the same time. As far as San Diego State's deadline, which would involve uh, July 1st, which then their exit fee uh, from their league uh, triples, um, according to most reports, it's about $35 million is what it would jump to. Um, that is still a deadline that uh, I see as something that is very notable in the grand scheme of this. And if you're looking at the Pac-12 to get something done, and granted, this is a league that has buried itself in different issues where at, um, uh, under Larry Scott and just how they've been set up overall. But now you get to the point where they really do. If they're going to expand, they they need to have they need to help out the 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 programs and the schools that are looking to join the league. And that would be for both SMU and San Diego State being able to get to, to submit that exit notice save a little money, 
uh, in that sense and get it done. And, and just overall, that would help the future of your league if you're bringing in two schools that don't have to pay an extra $10, $20 million to leave their current situation. So um, I feel like with, with SMU and San Diego State, they'll be offered at the same time. I do expect them to both be offered membership into the Pac-12 when it's all said and done. And uh, everybody will go from there. Pony Excess uh, says everyone has circled June on the calendar in terms of a Pac-12 media deal being completed. If that's the case, do you think we would hear leaks before the deal is formally announced or would it come out of nowhere via a formal announcement one day? I don't think uh, we'll hear leaks. I don't think you'll start to. And I mean, you've kind of heard reports here and there of who's involved, how much, what would what's the holdup? These little bits of pieces of information or could be disinformation for that matter. Uh, or misinformation for that matter. But when you have a deal like this that eventually comes together, in in my opinion, based on how we've seen them all kind of come about, I think it's going to be a big formal breaking news piece from a Ross Dellinger, a Pat, uh, Pat Forty, a Pete Thamel, that kind of level of reporter who's going to get this scoop about 10 minutes before or whatever, a formal announcement comes. And that's kind of how it would go, at least on the media rights deal. And then um, uh, when it comes to SMU uh, and San Diego State, that would be uh, the, 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 the way it would happen. Is it, that would, and even I'm starting to get to the point where I'm working sources trying to say, hey, if this is the case and this is going to happen or X, Y, and Z is going to happen, let's let's have a code a code word or something that that you know i know that um you know this is good to go or or whatever and i think a bunch of reporters are are trying to be in that position too um and that's normally how those things kind of happen we see it a lot um when big 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 news happens you see it from one of the biggest reporters out there it breaks and then it gets you know confirmed announced for the most part um shortly thereafter um, when it comes to, um, uh, let's see, um, oh, there was a report from the Swaim show uh, that uh, said that Colorado and Arizona, Arizona were planning to leave the Pac-12 for the Big 12. This question comes in for Pony Swim. Um, I would not listen to just about anything uh, that comes uh, from that source. Uh, been all over the place, very national inquirer, uh, well said on the message board type of uh, reporting style when it comes to um, uh, realignment. Flock of Seagulls asks, also just to pe uh, freak people out, let's say the pack only adds one and it's San Diego State. What's your educated guess as to what happens to SMU conference-wise from there? Well, here's the, here's the problem with how to speculate on this. If the PAC does add just San Diego State, then you have the ACC, which is still locked in with that grant of rights until 2036. And like we've reported multiple times, SMU still talks to the ACC. And they talk to them a good, good bit over the course of this time period. And same goes with the Big 12. You know, th those conversations, they happen. So there is still contact going on. But the, the question I would have would be, all right, the Big 12, we've seen uh, Brett Yormark start to kind of get the rug pulled out from under him. 
with UConn and Gonzaga being two potential ads. And who knows if that's misinformation coming out or, or whatever, but um, the, he's kind of been attacked um, in, in a sense by some of the coaches and, and sources of his own league uh, since that news kind of broke. We saw a couple of reports this week that, you know, the yes, the basketball coaches of the Big 12 would be happy, but the schools are out on that plan of adding UConn and Gonzaga. So if that's the case and he wasn't able to get the four corner schools or uh, any other school for that matter out of the Pac-12, would the Big 12 finally circle back and let SMU in? I don't know. Um, it, it doesn't seem likely enough based on what I've heard of, of as far as a, a few schools that are vehemently against SMU joining the league. So then that would leave the ACC and that's kind of back to a long game play or at least on paper based on the grant of rights, it looks like a long game play. Could they add a school? Maybe uh, I mean, if that's the case, you know, SMU is, is you know, going to be somewhat in the mix there um, because I don't think the ACC is going to be able to poach anyone for the Big Ten or the SEC. We know that already. So if they poached anyone, would it be West Virginia from the Big 12 to, to go to uh, the ACC? I, I, that's the only one that kind of makes any sense regionally. Um, so it, it is one of those things where if they were able to move up their time frame of adding a school, if they think that's the way to get um, a better media rights deal or more revenue in there, then SMU might very well be in the mix. And um, we'll kind of see what happens from there. But, you know, the big thing is, is, uh, I mean, the path to a college football playoff is much easier than it was um, in the past, you know, for a group of five team. And I feel like, I mean, when it comes down to it, SMU has the opportunity to be a force in the AAC and should be a force in the AAC year in, year out. They should be running the league from here on out, you know, quite frankly. Tulane had an incredible season under Willie Fritz. We'll see if that was lightning in the bottle at all, perfectly coming together. Obviously, they lose Ty J Spears, but they have Michael Pratt coming back, things like that. Um, you know, Memphis, can they refine their footing? Um, UTSA had a lot of success, um, you know, in, in Conference USA, but you know, SMU's got to be able to run this league. And if you're running the league, you, you're going to have a chance, especially, for example, this year where they have the schedule with two major Power 5 opponents on it, um, to have a resume that would really, um, really uh, put you in a, a very strong conversation to, obviously, you'd make the conference, the college football playoff, but you'd be a decent seed, I would, I would think, at least, um, going into that one if you came away with Oklahoma and TCU um, uh, wins as well. So, it's just, but conference-wise, their their options are very limited uh, if they don't get into the pack in terms of the immediate future, unless the Big 12 turns around and decides to let them in. Um, let's go uh, Worldwide Swag ass. are we going to get in the pack? I still think SMU is going to be invited and will accept membership into Pac-12. Um, SMU alum 11 asks, what's the status of SMU, the Pac-12, um, do I have any information that you can't share or do you know as much as you've shared? I have some things that after the fact I can share, whether it goes SMU's way or whether it's whether it doesn't, whether SMU goes to a different league for some reason, um, you know, Power 5 league or it doesn't. I, once we get to a point where things are uh, kind of settled down, I can share a lot of the things that I've heard here and there and why I've felt the way I do about certain things. Um, but the status is, it, for the most part, what we've reported. SMU is very much 
in a good position to join the Pac-12. There's a lot of confidence it's going to get done. Um, and expansion will involve SMU and San Diego State. Uh, SMU alum 11 asks, if the Pac doesn't work out, I would assume it's a bust and we are stuck in the AAC CUSA until the next round, ACC implosion. What do you see happening there? I pretty much just touched on that. Um, and then uh, not to be a leading answer, I would assume our hope is the PAC adds us with a with ACC leftovers or the ACC adds us assuring they didn't lose too many to either the PAC or the Big 12. Let's say that it doesn't go away in those scenarios. But our hope at this point is the Big 10 wanting to get into the Texas market by adding TCU, SMU, Houston, and someone else. Yeah, I mean, that, like, that's if, 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 if to get to that point of the Big 10 wanting to add the Texas market. And no, I, I don't see TCU, SMU, or Houston ever getting into the Big 10. Um, maybe I guess like 100 years from now or something, something changes in college sports, but I don't see that happening. Um, just a thought on this, but again, assuming PAC doesn't invite SMU, would you see a very demoralized staff, admin, and fan base that could mean lower NIL and overall investment for the next few years? That's a hard one to say because, look, we've seen SMU kind of get the teeth kicked in with, you know, the Big 12 adding Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU. Um, we've also uh, seen Texas and Oklahoma leave the Big 12, and SMU isn't in that top group. As I mentioned, they've added the four other schools. Uh, and what has kind of galvanized SMU, you know, one sense is Sonny Dykes going to TCU, which as long as he's at TCU – a lot of people are going to hate uh, TCU on an even larger level than they, um, you know, already do. And, and that, um, you know, gets people going in a sense, at least from the fan base and alumni side, which is kind of the most important piece to having a program that is at least motivated. Like if SMU weren't to get into a power five league, I think you would certainly see staff. I don't know about demoralizes is the, is the right term, but, you've, you're going to have a staff that now you are somewhat back to like a stepping stone job and a job that you could do really well at and be successful at win at, and then go get a bigger job. And that's if you don't get a PAC 12 or a uh, power five invite. And if that's the case, you almost get a little bit, you get a little bit of extra motivation. I think you do have a little bit of a harder time retaining staff. Um, and that could mean if they do a good job, they move up. Um, to a different job or just, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of the sense. I mean, if the guy's not doing well, you'll fire him and make a move. But um, I, yeah, I I don't know um, how that would look. I, I think there are pieces of the fan base that would probably, you know, get a little bit of uh, uh, just go back a little bit to being a little bit more casual about it. I think there are a lot of people that you know, at least I knew when I was in school or, you know, people that I've gotten to know over the years that are seeing like this, this potential that it happens and it happens and it happens and they're excited about that. And so they're paying attention, but if it doesn't, then they'll kind of drop back. I don't know if NIL will take as big of a hit as we think. I think the issue would be, does the talent pool that they're able to pull from on the transfer market change and thus NIL goes down. That would kind of be the the piece there, if that makes sense. So I, I think we've seen a group of uh, alumni and boosters that are willing to support a very strong football program, but recruiting 
and needing that NIL money, a, a piece to it is the want to and opportunity to get into the Pac-12, both from the coaching staff and the alumni side. So I, I think it it's almost like if they don't get into a Power 5 conference, you could see maybe the talent that is interested in coming to SMU might drop down a little bit, knowing that that's not a possibility. But as we've said many times on this podcast, expansion doesn't stop. Like if the Pac-12 opts to just stay at what they are and they announce a new media deal, we're going to see a year from now another round of expansion talks start to pop up because the ACC gets more and more ticked off at each other and they are ready to you know pull the shoot and stop or whatever. I mean, it's just not going to stop. So um, that's kind of what drives this bus overall. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Um, finally, uh, I think that is pretty much it on, um, on the realignment talk. So one question that trans transitions well into the recruiting side of things, uh, is flock of seagulls asks you've indirectly advised against spending too much time recruiting outside of Texas and the California offers keep pouring in. Have you heard anything as to why this is, or can you speculate? So I think there's one thing as far as recently goes, SMU did hold the mega camp this past weekend. They had a lot of kids in town from out of state. We saw some California offers roll in to guys that were camping and deserved offers. So I think there's that piece of it. I do think SMU, and I've said this before, the two biggest states that SMU pulls from outside of Texas are Florida California. And we've seen SMU's coaching staff, which has ties to Florida. Pretty, pretty good clip, obviously, there with a lot of a lot of the coaching staff, you know, having been at Miami. And then California being a big feeder school and uh, feeder state in general to SMU. And we've seen them kind of, you know, go out there and, and recruit a little bit. We saw them pull Sean Scott. They're going to host a couple of guys from out on the West Coast here in a couple of weeks. So um, I, I think they're they're, they're trying to plug holes here and there. I don't like, I saw some uh, North Carolina offer or Georgia offer. Um, they've got an official visitor coming in from Mississippi, which isn't too far, but I, I think sometimes it's, you, you've got to pick and choose your spots. Like if you have a connection, work your connection and see if you can get a good player. That's important. And I think that's what SMU has done, especially, especially recruiting Florida. They work those connections um, and and they are just kind of spreading it out a little bit. I, they're not like they don't have an area recruiter for L.A. or um, Seattle or uh, Atlanta and some of the big cities across the country that have big talent pools. But, yeah, I I, I think it is just for the most part working connections. Um, that, that's pretty much it, especially in Florida. It, it doesn't really have anything to do um, with any conference realignment talk. Um. What is the next uh, high school commit to come in? SF to Hilltop asks, and how many commits do we end June with? SMU has two commitments, uh, Tyler Aronson and um, Jamarie Cauley, uh, who are, uh, you know, pretty locked in from what I understand, and uh, especially Tyler. So, uh, look, this is the going to be the run of official visits. Um, guys rolling into town, uh, getting to spend a lot of time with the coaching staff. The next commitment for SMU, this is a hard one because you see some guys that have official visits set elsewhere after they visit SMU. I'm, I'm going to say that the next high school commit, um, hmm, I, I kind of want to make a bold prediction here, but I almost don't at the same time. 
it it would not shock me if well i'll give you one that that seems pretty straightforward a pretty like safe bet um i i would say zaylen scott uh out of cedar hill the edge uh could very well be smu's next commitment uh his first visit official visit is to smu next weekend the 15th and then he goes to bowling green so theoretically if smu presses and pops him i think he could cancel the bowling green trip and and not go um so that would be a fairly safe bet um alex rogers uh is a defensive back from cedar hill i think smu sits in a really good spot there to get him uh but his visit comes at the end of june and then william nettles smu gets the last official visit he checked out nebraska he's going to purdue i believe this weekend um, and then finishes up, uh, no, he goes to Purdue, uh, next weekend, uh, and then finishes up with SMU. He's from Dallas Christian, a uh, big time prospect that SMU has been on for a while. He could be one. Um, and, but the, the one that I, the bold prediction, uh, that I would make if I was going to actually make it, uh, would be Kadavian Dodson Walker, uh, the Duncanville defensive back. He's got an official visit locked in for the last weekend of June, uh, that he could take it in June to SMU the 20, 23rd. Um, and he is checking out Oklahoma State this weekend. I think SMU can make a run there, and and we'll kind of see. Uh, but that would be my bold prediction as far as who the next commit would be. And then to answer the second question of how many commits SMU ends June with, uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with eight. I'm going to go with eight commits. So they'll get six by the end of June. So I can see Zaylen Scott. I can see a Graham Utter, the offensive lineman from from Alabama. Um, Eric Moore, the linebacker from Mississippi, uh, Alex Rogers, William Nettles, and then maybe Kadavian Dotson Walker. So that would be, that'd be six more right there. You know, that, that theoretically could jump on board. Uh, I'm going to go with eight. Um, and some of the guys will announce in July. So I'm kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of trying to, it's kind of the same thing. Like if you end the month of June with, you know, a few more commits, it's great, but you could have a few guys that announce on the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth of July, whatever, and and then you you know end up uh, you know with ten or twelve uh, commits. Um, Liberty, uh, Liberty, but no justice asks uh, some guys that have seemed hot the last few weeks, but may have dropped out of the universe. Danny Okoye, uh, who is a edge prospect from uh, Oklahoma, um, I, I don't see SMU as a factor in that recruitment. I, I know they've offered him, and and he's you know, talked about maybe visiting here and there, but I, I haven't really seen too much uh, on him. And then Keandi Henry uh, is out of Lake Dallas. And actually, I'm going to get the screen share here uh, for those of you who are on um, YouTube watching. Uh, SMU just, it really, it really, they haven't really gotten as much traction there as, uh, as I thought. You know, he was supposed to visit a couple times and never really did. Uh, he's a four-star prospect. He'd be a big pickup. I think Texas Tech kind of has their claws in there pretty good. And, uh, you know, I, I think it seems like they'll be they'll be tough to beat at this stage. And then KV on Sibley uh, is a 2024 uh, running back from Allen, uh, who is a top 40 running back in the country and on three. He just had a uh, major injury um, that I believe ended his junior season. I was there at the game. He got carted off and everything. Um, it was a knee injury. Um, pretty sure. So I think his recruitment is kind of on hold a little bit. SMU has. Harry Stewart, the Frisco area running back, uh, lined up for an official visit. So I'd kind of be surprised if um, we saw them feel the need to press for KV on just yet um, with Harry Stewart on the board and a huge target. And then you get um, Levante Johnson. 
He's a, a safety body. I, I think this one's going to be interesting. I don't know when he's going to make a decision, but he could be one that takes it to the fall, maybe. Um, Houston is certainly in there. SMU's hosted him. Um, I, I think there, at this point, there might be some other guys that are maybe higher on the board at the safety position, though. And the same goes for what happened with uh, David Cabongo. Um, and, and I haven't gotten a straight answer on him in a, in a sense, um, but he is um, uh, out of uh, Trophy Club, Byron Nelson. Uh, he's teammates with, uh, with uh, Ashton Williams, who camped over the weekend um, and did well and is being recruited now at linebacker. He's got a uh, commitment date set for June 12th after his Kansas official visit. And then he has Oklahoma State and Indiana official visits lined up after that. So if that's the case, you know, you're kind of looking at, um, you know, maybe Kansas is the is the favorite there. That's a, that's a hard one to predict because when you have a commitment date set three days after your official visit somewhere else, um, it's kind of hard. But, um, you know, the, the Cowboys um, could – theoretically could be getting a commitment to come to campus the next weekend. So uh, it's a hard one to read. I, I would say Oklahoma State and Kansas have kind of separated themselves there in a sense. Um, but SMU, it just seems like the press hasn't been what I maybe thought it would have been earlier this spring. Um, so let's run down some of the other uh, questions on on the board, just overall kind of rapid fire, and then and then I'll get you guys out of here. Um, and I'll end with the Preston Stone question, so stick around. Uh, probation coach uh, asks, I love this username, always gets me, hearing anything about the basketball team, specifically on the new guys, now that the team is back together and practicing. Also, I think I heard the team is going to maybe doing, may go abroad at some point this summer. Any details there? Haven't heard about the abroad trip yet. Um, the guys have just been in school a week. Um, it's been, you know, pretty quick. Um, so we haven't gotten any details on the team just yet. Um, this week, back half of this week, I'm going to start reaching out. Um, and Happy Hilltop asked if I've been able to watch the team yet. No, I haven't. Um, and the same goes for football. I'm going to hopefully next week maybe go out there a little bit and try to watch some practice and see how the guys look and things like that. So we'll have more on how, how both teams look, um, you know, as uh, the summer starts to get rolling here. And guys get settled in, too. They've only been really in town working out for, for a week. Uh, 2018 Mustang asked, with the influx of defensive talent, what standards should Scott Simons be held to? Meaning if the defense is in top 25, 58, 75, et cetera, can we expect him to be shown the door? Um, I, I don't uh, really think, I unless it was really bad, I, I don't think we're going to see him uh, be shown the door. Um, I, 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 I just don't see that happening. Um, I think they're going to improve. They were uh, 119th in points against, which um, does kind of surprise you here and there in a sense. Um, but there were some games that they just gave up so many points. Uh, it was pretty insane, obviously. Um, but uh, I, I look at this this SMU defense as a defense that I, I think the goal needs to be to be in the top 60, top 50 or so. Um, that would be a massive improvement. Um, SMU gave up 431 yards a game last year. Um, to get inside the top 60, uh, they would have to uh, be hovering around 370 yards a game, which if you look at programs like 
Texas A&M, Purdue, Texas, Virginia Tech. Those are some of the schools that are hovering around there. LSU, for just kind of a note, uh, 354 yards a game got them 41st in the country nationally. Um, and I'm a big proponent of yards per play, too. Um, I, I think that's a very important uh, statistic when you're kind of trying to evaluate defenses and things like that. I'd like to see that come down more than anything when it comes to SMU. Um, but I, I, I think if he could get SMU to around 60, 50 in the country, that's a big enough jump that I, I would think, um, you know, you, you could you could be sitting there um, with a really good shot to win the league and, and all of that. Um, and then uh, Tulane, I believe, was the top-ranked defense in the AAC. And I could be wrong here, but it's been a pretty good run of the top. Well, Navy Navy actually was above them. Um, but they're kind of an anomaly sometimes because of the game, the style of game that they play. Um, yeah, just a quick scroll here. It looks like Tulane had what I would call the best defense in the AAC, just again, Navy's game style changes how many yards per game they give up. Um, but uh, they came in at 360 yards per game, and that was 47th. And if you have the best defense in the AAC, you've had a pretty darn good shot of winning the league. Memphis was 51st, 363 yards per game. As, if SMU can jump up in, well inside, I would say the goal should be 50, 50th ranked defense in the country. That would be a huge jump. That'd be a huge improvement. That's what I would like to see. That puts SMU in position to have one of, if not the best defense in the AAC. And then that puts you in position to win the league. Um, Alan Stang asks, who do you have on the cover for NCAA 24 when it comes out next year? Uh, I guess that would be, they do it kind of the year after usually, right? Um so it would be, I mean, I guess Caleb Williams, maybe, if you're picking an overall um, player to, to land on there. I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, covering LSU, I think it'd be pretty cool if Harold Perkins was on there. Um, and it'd be uh, even cooler for SMU fans if Preston Stone was on there. Um, Alan Stang, how much longer does the NCAA preside over the likes of the Big Ten and the SEC? Do you see them possibly as the next live breaking out of the NCAA to make more money? I think they could be the one, they're the catalyst that could make it happen, uh, that they could break apart or just completely like shed the NCAA and be like, you know, you know what, forget this. We're just going to do our own thing. You know, 40 something colleges or whatever, make up those two leagues. That could happen. I, I don't, I think the NCAA is just in for a world of its own realignment as far as what it's allowed to do and what it presides over overall. So we'll kind of see what that looks like in the future. If basketball tanks similar to last year, do we fire the coach midseason or let him ride it out? Da da da. Again, um, I think if basketball is awful, there's a chance he could get fired midseason. Um, but you know, I, I guess the big difference is, and I didn't really think about this thing with Tim Jankovic. I don't think anybody had head coach experience behind him to step up in the interim role anyway. Um, off the top of my head, off that last staff, um, but. Uh, Cliff Warren uh, does have coaching experience. So uh, if they tanked, uh, they could theoretically do that. But I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's really how SMU rolls. 
Um, very interesting ask with the new football operations building and potential new conference, any word on efforts toward updates to in-game experience? So yes, uh, they're putting up the new scoreboard in the North end zone. So that's, it's going to be big, much bigger than the one that was in the South end zone. And then the South end zone is going to have one that's much bigger as well as the previous one. Once that's done from my understanding, all the new, um, audio and, and visual type of things that SMU will put in at some point will come in 2024 because I, I think it's all about acoustics or something and them lining all that up while they're building the operations building still to make that happen. So yes, they're working on upgrading and game experience. It, it just might be, you'll see the fruits of that in 2024 when everything is done um, with um, uh, the football operations building. Uh, CA Pony, any potential, uh, any word on potential basketball non-conference scheduling? Not too much at this moment. Um, so that, yes, I'll start digging around on that a little bit more, but I don't think, uh, I don't think we're seeing that. Um, uh, I, I haven't seen too much on that right now. Um, Austin, Texas Pony asks, uh, what is Zach line up to these days? One of my favorite players might be a nice summer series to look at some of the Mustang favorites and what they're doing now. Absolutely. Um, working on that, trying to get some guys, some former players lined up to join the pod. Uh, Zach is uh, the head coach at Oxford um, in Michigan. Uh, it was where, uh, 99% sure, I'll double check right now, but uh, where he played his high school football. Um, double check here. Yes. Um, so he's back as his head coach at his uh, high school alma mater um, and, and doing well. Um, him and uh, his wife have four beautiful kids and uh, they're doing well. So yeah, Zach, I would love to have Zach on the podcast. He's a great guy. Um, Zach was one of the first guys I actually met uh, at SMU. We actually, uh, during fall camp, stayed up and uh, played NCAA 14 with a couple of the other guys, like second night there and stayed up way too late uh, playing that. And I was in a uh, league with him and um, Kyle Padron and, and uh, um, Jeremy Johnson, Michael Gwynn, who's now a, uh, coaching at um he's at uh is he at texas state now he was at sam houston um yeah he's a defensive line coach now at texas state um yeah so a bunch of them were, were we were uh ncaa well i guess we were ncaa uh 10 back then or 08 or 9 or something but anyway we were playing video games a lot uh back then um bum gardner asked uh basketball what are uh, what's a realistic expectation for the season? Can uh, they compete with Memphis for a co conference title in Houston and Houston being gone? I would say, yes, they can compete. Um, it's just got to come together. I mean, we, like we talked about free throws last year being a difference in this team winning 13 games. And, uh, you know, they probably could have been an 18 win team in year one, which encouraging um, a little bit more. Uh, than that but it, I'm gonna have to just see it to believe it um, but I, I would say I, I would like to see this team get to 20 wins and that that way you really know it's headed in the right direction uh, if you had to list the AAC football conference from top to bottom who's your top eight in order I am not ready for uh, this question um, but I would go uh, Tulane number one until somebody knocks him off um uh, and then I would say SMU, um, just off of the, um, or is this a question about the new, the new teams? 
Yeah, no, okay, top eight, yeah. Uh, Tulane at the top, I would say SMU right after them. Um, and then, this is hard, I think UTSA, I've got to go with UTSA, and then Memphis, um, and then UAB. Um, I'll probably go to North Texas. They won the, they won Conference USA last year. you got to give them a little bit of credit. Um and then FAU, Charlotte, UAB, or uh, Rice, somewhere in there um, would be my next kind of group, I suppose. Um, South Florida, Navy, they're, they're bottom of the barrel right now. Um, it's uh, pretty, pretty brutal um, overall, um, the, new, the new league. Um, I don't think I'm forgetting anyone uh, that should maybe be up in the top there. Tulsa had a coaching. Temple's bad. So, all right. Uh, Bumgarner, uh, last one from him. Um, uh, for younger SMU alums, serious question, what's a reasonable allotment of money uh, per month for a parent to provide a male freshman at SMU this fall? Um, talking enough money to grin at his sh shenanigans, but not enough for his father to possibly kill him from his bad decisions. Uh, I have no idea. Um, if, if, if he's a freshman, he can eat pretty much exclusively on campus. That's hard. I mean, I would probably say about 800 bucks. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that, but just kind of think like they grab a dinner out once, sometimes twice a weekend. Um, you know, you're looking at 40, 50 bucks there if you're into shenanigans. Um, and then, you know, 100, 150 bucks, you got to ration out for spending at the bar a little bit. Um, again, not advocating underage drinking and just buying sodas and stuff. But yeah, I, 800 to a thousand. That's my guess. Four weekends in a month. Um, I worked off of, uh, about 400. So, um, times, uh, changed, I guess, as I'm adding that up, uh, very interesting asks, um, with 92 days until the home opener on nine, two, do we have a backup plan in case there are construction or occupancy issues? Um, I, there won't be, it'll be fine. Like they're going to move the turf back up. They'll have it at a point where, It'll just go straight up um, quickly. There's not going to be any issues. STL Pony, uh, what's the rough weekly OTA schedule in summer sessions? Uh, they lift in the mornings. Uh, the freshmen do have the 6 a.m. lift, I'm sure. Um, and they kind of rotate between that and conditioning runs and things like that. And then the afternoon, uh, they can um, uh, do some uh, throwing and seven-on-seven seven and things like that on their own. Um, and, I, and, and I think they get a about an hour a week, I think two hours a week of film with the coaches. So they work in some of that as well. Um, can you ask uh, Jordan Hudson why he chose a white G wagon versus a classic black? Um, yeah. I mean, he didn't want to be viewed as the June Jones of uh, G wagon. So he went with the white one um, that uh, should be it. So let's wrap up the podcast with uh, first of all, expectations. SMU quarterback Preston Stone is taking over as the starter this season. Tanner Mordecai is gone. Um, Whiskey Pony asks, how many yards do you think Preston Stone throws and runs for this year if he stays healthy? And a follow-up question to that, and we'll kind of break this all down. Uh, PonyFan81 asked last year about this time, you seem pretty bearish on Preston's potential. Now he's the guy. Do you still have concerns or did something change your view on his current abilities and potential over the next few years. 
I feel like when you look at when you look at Preston Stone and what he could do this season, SMU had Tanner Mordecai last year through for 3,500 yards. He missed some time. The quarterbacks uh, for SMU combined for over 4,000 yards passing last year. Um, and the run game with them really wasn't anything uh to ride home about. Obviously, Tanner Mordecai didn't run the ball enough um, when he had opportunities to. He had 100 yards. Preston Stone had 63 yards on 14 carries. Um, he played in six games. Kevin Jennings, uh, five carries, eight yards. Uh, he didn't really do too much uh, running the football just overall. They were trying to be careful with him whenever he was in the game because he, that was it at quarterback for SMU. For Preston Stone, I think it's reasonable. If SMU is going to be successful this year, they need Preston Stone to have a similar season throwing the football to what Tanner Mordecai had, where he has to continue to work on is taking care of the football, improving that aspect that Tanner Mordecai, you know, had moments where he, you know, quite honestly, just made some really ill-advised throws that cost SMU in a big way. Tanner threw for over 3,500 yards. He completed 65% of his passes, 33 touchdowns, 10 picks. I think Preston Stone needs to be in that 3,500 range, just a little bit above it. He needs to be about 35 touchdowns. And for SMU to be successful this year and, and win the AAC, I really think he needs to be about 7 to 10 on interceptions if he's healthy the whole year. So maybe you have some games where it doesn't go as well as you'd think, but uh, he has to stay under 10, I would think, on the interception front. And then running the football – I think if he adds about 400 yards on the ground, that would be a pretty good deal for SMU's offense. And look, they have a really impressive, you know, running back stable on paper. So I'm interested to see just kind of overall how all that works out. But when it comes to Preston Stone overall, my expectations for him, some of the pieces of that is I think Preston is not like a Kevin Henry Jennings, who is still continuing to get kind of polished and kind of ready to eventually take over and be a starting guy. Tanner Mordecai was pretty polished coming out of high school. He just sat a ton at OU and then obviously transferred to SMU and was successful. But Preston Stone is older for his class. Uh, he's always been physically developed. Uh, he's, you know, I think he's in the best shape of his life. It looks like he's trimmed down a little bit since his freshman year. He lost either some baby fat or just some mass, maybe that they tried to pack on him. Uh, and now... With Preston, I think the biggest thing is, first of all, staying healthy. Got to be able to do that. But when I watch him at certain points of this spring, we saw him shy away at times from throwing the deep ball with conviction. And he came back and, and you know, really had a strong last couple of weeks of the spring doing that. And I want to continue to see that. His arm strength is kind of what had me at times a little bearish on him. And what I mean by that is Preston can make every throw, but it is not, I think, on the level of a Shane Bouchelle, Tanner Mordecai, as far as pure arm strength that we've seen. Um, he has a tendency at times to underthrow a deep ball, which allows receivers to come back to it and make plays. And SMU has the talent, the receiver position to allow him to do that. But on the flip side, they've got to, uh, have him be a little bit better on his timing. I think the timing with those receivers and over the course of this summer with him being the guy now, the idea would be that he can improve that and he can make that happen. 
And, um, you know, for SMU to be successful this year, that's what's got to happen. So I'm high on Preston Stone. I think from a standpoint of where he's at in his career, and this is going to sound a little weird, he's pretty much a finished product. So I think there is going to be game experience that comes and helps him understand situations and improve in decision-making, and that can help him long-term in his career. But as far as who he is and his kind of style, he's polished. He's done in that sense. So Preston Stone has been around now for uh, two seasons at SMU now. And I get the sense that, one, he has to be ready to go game one. There can't be a learning curve. He's played enough football in, in competitive games now that he cannot be what SMU is waiting on to click. They have too much talent. They have too high of expectations. And look, you get Louisiana Tech, who's going to have a new coaching staff. It's going to be very different. But then you get into Oklahoma, and you obviously get a throwaway game against Grand Prairie A&M before TCU. But you've got to be ready to go game one. And he's old enough as a person in general, and then also have played enough competitive games and situations that he's got to be ready to go. And I think his, his style and everything he's been preparing for makes him somewhat of a finished product. So I think his floor is very high, but I don't necessarily see, like if we're sitting here end of 2024 season, okay, I don't think we're going to be sitting here saying, oh my gosh, have you got the jump from Preston Stone's first year as a starter to second was so insane that he elevated his game to an completely different level. I just don't, I, I don't see that happening. What I can see happening is him having a very good year and that allowing SMU to win the AAC and have a successful season. I just think because he's older, because he's been polished for years, I think he's, he's got a, he's got a high floor. He's not a necessarily like a, a high ceiling type of quarterback. Like I think, for example, like Keldrick Luster, Kevin Jennings, those guys might be a little bit higher ceiling, but they they still have a lot of development to go and both are still very young. But Preston's been so polished and he's played so much football that I just think he's a little bit closer to a finished product um, for the most part. So a lot of talent around him. Expectations are really high for Preston Stone. He's got to be ready to go. Game one against Louisiana Tech, 11 a.m., uh, and, and in Ford Stadium and, and be ready to put on a show. This has been a long time coming for him. There's a lot of excitement as there should be around Preston Stone, but he's going to be the reason why SMU either wins the AAC and finally gets over that hump of having the type of season a lot of people think SMU can have, or there's a real chance that he's, you know, he would be the, the thing that a lot of people would point to and say it just wasn't good enough. But that's part of playing quarterback. You know, all the expectations fall on you and, you know, you've got to shoulder him. And, and good thing for Preston Stone, he's been through a lot of situations over the course of his career between high school and uh, college. And, um, you know, he really uh, has um, a good head on his shoulder to handle it all. I mean, he's a pro uh, in all aspects, pre preparation, demeanor, how he handles his teammates. So uh, I have high expectations. I think he's going to have the potential to really lead SMU to the AAC this year. Uh and, and win it. So um, expectations couldn't be higher uh, in a sense for SMU this year. And because of that, Preston Stone.
Thanks for listening to this edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. Again, just a dollar for three months. Subscribe um, and, and jump on board. It's about to be an exciting time with official visits beginning on the Hilltop. So be sure to check in on the site for all the latest and uh, keep hitting that subscribe button to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.